from the Country Bear Jamboree coming to you live from the Magic Kingdom in Disney World in Lake Buena Vista, Florida. Magic Kingdom, ladies and gentlemen. Rife, live from uh, Magic Kingdom. Uh, Denny, who's who's coming to us live from Epcot, though? <laughs> live from Epcot? It's probably Figment and the Dream Finder. <laughs> Journey into Imagination, of course, Greg. Or maybe the Three Caballeros from the Mexico Pavilion. Huh? Uh-huh. Remy's Ratatouille Adventure's opening soon. Before long, he'll be coming to us live from Epcot. You gotta watch out for Remy. He's the rat of all my dreams. <laughs> He's the rat of some of my dreams. Did you see that TikTok fad? No, man. <laughs> During COVID, like <laughs> Zoomers, Zoomers wrote a, a Ratatouille musical all by themselves, all on TikTok, and then Disney did a special event where they actually got like famous stage actors to perform <laughs> to perform the like meme tastic Ratatouille musical. And now in Gen Z, there's a fad of like basically what we did with the Star Wars prequels. They're doing that with Ratatouille right now. Dude, the kids are all right. The kids are all right. The future is in good hands. The kids are all right. Uh, so, Greg, uh, go ahead. Excuse yeah. me. Welcome, everybody, to the Movies for Win podcast. We're here to uh, set up a premise that sucks and then deliver three movies that suck even worse. Whoa, 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 whoa. The premise, one of those movies is good. <laughs> one of those movies is good. I say two of those movies are good. More later. I'm intrigued. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I'm Man. very intrigued, Greg. Uh, This week... Uh, if you followed along, you'll know that Denny is going to Disney World very soon. So you are being treated to three movies that personify movies for when you're going to Disney World. Mm-hmm. Denny, what are the three minute movies and who picked them? Well, as I said last week, we had this idea for a little while and I was like, ooh, Maybe I'll do a goofy movie because the 90s are in right now or go with a classic like Peter Pan. And when we were talking about our picks, Greg was like, is the country bears a ride? And unfortunately, technically it's an attraction, Greg. Learn the lingo. I, you're not in a cart. You're watching You're watching a little show. But we I'm, don't like to call them shows at Disney World. I'm we not like a Disney adult. I don't know the lingo. Oh, I'm a Disney adult, baby. You know what? As much as I hate capitalism, I've got to admit Disney World's pretty freaking cool. Um, I'll give them that. <laughs> um, so then we had the idea to do rides from Disney or attractions that were adapted into major motion pictures. Greg is a sadomasochist, so he chose Country Bears. 
Right. Um, and then the other two obvious ones were Haunted Mansion and the Pirates of the Caribbean. I yeah. just kind of pitched all three. They're not the only ones that have been adapted. I'm not ready to pay $30 to watch Jungle Cruise. I'm not ready to spend any time in my life watching Tomorrowland. And I'm sure something else has been adapted. Are there any other Disney theme park rides? Monorail the movie. That one was great. I mean, Song of the South is out there. I'm just saying. Uh, uh, problematic. Uh, we're probably not going to do Song of the South. We're definitely not going to do Song of the South. Because we love ourselves. We'll do Bears of the South, though. The Country Bears, that the is. The Country Bears. Um, Greg, what's your history with Disney World before we get into this? Uh, I went there one time in 2009 when I was a freshman in college. What would you think? Pretty cool. What were some of your favorite parts? Epcot. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Uh, the, food were, the food was good. The Peter Pan ride was fun. The um, Space Mountain ruled. It's a cool park, man. Full of yeah. cool stuff. I don't know. I don't really have like an emotional attachment to it. I, I spent most of my childhood going to Six Flags over Texas. Mm. And, uh, yeah. Yep. I went all the time when I was a kid growing up. I was born into a wealthy family that loved to go to Disney World. Then I became a very poor adult who longed to return to Disney World one day. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, the wife and I are getting our feet on the ground financially, and we're doing it. And so I, I've got a huge love for this park. Again, it kind of is dissonant with a lot of beliefs I hold, but damn do I love it. It's just so damn cool. I don't know what to tell you. There's no ethical things. consumption under capitalism. I'm going to ride rides. Um, that's kind of where I leave it. Even the most, like, Marx-loving, socialist-leaning person has still got that, like, major capitalist thing that they just lean into. They're just like, yeah, I, I just love this thing. And for a lot of people, that's Disney. Well, I think it's because Disney is really, 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 really good. Mm -hmm. fostering positive feelings about their intellectual properties into their audience and yeah it totally worked on me and i honestly think it's kind of sinister and cynical and evil and i just love every step of the process i'm not gonna lie i love every i'm gonna buy some merch i'm gonna, I'm gonna do it big i love it i don't know what to tell you yeah. i love it i'll i'll give you a, a little list maybe i want a souvenir I'll bring you a souvenir, dude. I want I want one of those uh, Monsters Inc. like laugh canisters. That's like a cup or whatever. I'm gonna do my best. I, I bet it's forty dollars. <laughs> I'll, but... I'll pay forty dollars for it for you. It's just a matter of can I find it. Um, the Monsters Inc. attraction did just reopen, uh, oh. but it's not a very very merched property in the parks. I'll see. I'll see what I can do. Okay, a laugh canister that's a cup. Let me see what I can do for you, Greg. I appreciate it, man. Let me see what I can do um cool <laughs> i guess we're doing these theme park movies hell yeah man <laughs> we're gonna start off strong with country bears country bear jamboree this Greg, is... do you want to give us a synopsis yeah i'll i'll summarize the plot as it was my pick uh the plot of the country bears is that disney told somebody to make a movie about a ride and said they had exactly 90 <laughs> minutes to do it <laughs> 
that's the plot of Country Bears. Um, <laughs> yeah. <dude. laughs> um, I'm actually going to start by saying... <laughs> that was a terrible thought. <laughs> I'll, I'll start by saying I actually... Uh, I refrained from saying this to you before, but I really liked this movie. Greg. I like this movie a lot, dude. <laughs> Greg work the legwork, Johnson. Like on it. record, on the air. Notable cinephile and movie buff Greg Johnson yeah. likes Country Bears. It's sandwiched somewhere between Whiplash and No Country for Old Men. The Country Bears. <laughs> oh. That's not true. We'll get to scores later. But, man. No Country for Old Bears. No Country for Old Bears. It's a split of your favorite movies. It's it's musical, and it involves the word country in the title. I hate most musicals, but I do like getting the band back together, which is the actual plot of Country Bears. Ugh. Just getting the band back together. Um, man, I don't know what it is, man. Like, I never saw this movie. Like, I remember they played the trailer a billion times on TV when it was coming out, and oh two or oh three or whatever and i thought it looked pretty lame i was like starting to get a little too old for it um so i didn't see it until just the other day it rules you have never seen this movie I've, until I had, you were 31 years old how old are you i'm almost 31 i'm 30 now you have, yeah. you have never ridden Country Bears, the ride. You I didn't. You have no sentimental, sentimental attachment to Disney parks. Correct. And you saw this for the first time at age 31. Yes, 30. And you liked it. 30, excuse me. And you liked it. Yeah. You, Greg, you... this is the hottest take in the history of this podcast. <laughs> I don't care, man. Oh, <sighs> I'm Dude, proud of you. All, all of the jokes landed for me. There were jokes? Yeah. The, there were supposed to their, be funny parts? Their farewell tour was called the Hibernation Tour. I liked that. That was good. And I I'm didn't get it till I saw it on the bus. That was good. There you go. That was good. That was Bingo. Really good. Nine o'clock. Man. <laughs> it, it felt like... I'm going to use this comparison. I've got like a bunch of notes here, man. I'm going to... I got to just, just... Just go. I got to pick one. I refuse to believe bears would assimilate so seamlessly into society, especially in America, if they could talk and sing country music. They're bears. Just eat the freaking bank guy. Um, <laughs> I have some theories. Are we ready to get into theories? Uh, yeah, Christopher Walken plays bank guy, and I've got a lot to say about him because he rules. What's the theory, Denny? Okay, so I thought a lot about these bears and people's responses to them. Yes. And so Dexter, the, the jerk older brother with the redemption arc, I initially thought... Mm. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> the only reason that he's in the movie is to dress and look like a reminder that this was actually 2002. Yes! I definitely dressed and attempted to do my hair like that and only did slightly shittier than his shitty faux spikes. Frosted um, tips, whoa. <laughs> so initially I was like, he's behaving very appropriately for a child being gaslit by all the adults. He's responding with rage because he's the only one having any sort of reaction to these bears. Yeah. Like bears exist. And I was like, they're calling him an asshole, but this is how you should respond if there's bears running around willy-nilly and none of the adults will acknowledge it. But then, And in your house. That's when the theory came in, Greg. That's when the theory came in. 
Hit me. Dexter is hallucinating the bears. And that's why no other human in the movie seems to be having a reaction to them in any way. And it's because the country bears are actually a band of hillbilly, thick, hairy, gay men. And one woman. There's a one. Oh, yeah, Trixie. Uh, she's, she's, uh, shut up. <laughs> she wasn't with the band for most of the movie. And so I have a theory that, much like A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, this is a movie about Dexter not accepting himself and not being able to confront his attraction to bears in the connotative term, as mm -hmm. they are often referred to in our culture. And he has to dissociate himself from his own internal desires because he's repressed by his inattentive parents and the police. And uh, maybe in this theory, a little attracted to his younger brother, who was guilty by association because <laughs> they named the fucking bear Barry. Barry Berenson. <laughs> and uh, I think that this is actually a very smart movie that subversively allows Dexter to confront his self-hate and his internalized homophobia. And notice that really what makes it all turn around and everything works out is he embraces Barry. And metaphorically, I think he accepts himself when he accepts Barry. Maybe, maybe Barry's not even real. Maybe Barry is the surrogate self that he hates in his house that he thinks no one will accept. And so he must reject him. And he has to go on his own journey to the Country Bears and metaphorically put on a concert for metaphorical guest for a metaphorical Christopher Walken. Yeah, man, that's bullshit. So... <laughs> then why can't anybody else see the bears? <laughs> Everyone can see the bears. They're called the Country Bears. Yeah, but what does bears They're mean? They're ordering what salmon does, at the restaurant. What does... Bears can like salmon. Yeah, bears it's do 2021. like salmon. It's 2021. Bears can eat any fish they want. Like nature's bears, or are we no. back on the metaphor? We're back on the metaphor. Oh my god! I'm just saying, man. I think that there's there's a deeper meaning here. Half of them you're, don't wear pants. You're the one that fucking likes the movie, and don't tell me Fred Betterhead wasn't some Freudian shit. <laughs> okay, that was that was a. Weird oh, point. okay. Now, now we're talking. Now, who, now you're coming around. Who gives better head than Fred? <laughs> It seriously sounds like a like regressive knock knock joke. The or like name the, the Seymour Butts thing from Heavyweights. <laughs> the name they pick was literally Fred Betterhead. Give me I a break. Every time, Fred and Ted Betterhead. They named two characters Betterhead. Oh man, dude. I gotta say, my least favorite parts were the um, the music scenes. Anytime there was a song being played. Oh. But I also feel like they're about two steps away from being like a wet, hot American summer, like absurdist joke. <laughs> I feel like the movie wanted to go there. Yeah. But they just couldn't quite commit. Like, I thought this was going to be overwhelmingly cheesy, overwhelmingly like 
corny family film or attempting to be a family film just like kids movie that's just boring for adults mm-hmm. but i feel like they wanted to go a little bit more on the absurdist stuff they definitely tried like with the elton john cameo and just like everybody's no selling that it's a bunch of bears and even like i love it so that 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 kitchen musical number that's the, the, you know, the specifically one the that's when i wrote this note was for that scene yeah no this is that's diegetic like the cheers the characters are aware that that is happening um and the rest of the songs are performed on a stage like it's not this like musical we break out in song and dance but that's really for the audience and the characters don't really know we're singing and dancing Mm -hmm. everything else was on a stage and people were watching a song performed the one in the diner it's just this like wacky musical number and it's just like completely in the canon like it's in the story world they just like the chefs just started like they stopped cooking and just started like shaking spices and drumming they, on pots. they pulled a guitar out of nowhere <laughs> and, just, and then at the end they're just sitting there like nothing happened like well i guess people do like the country bears and that's the scene yep and I will say the the honey song fucking slapped. I'll admit that as a hater of country music, the one with a band I was supposed to recognize but didn't recognize that song fucking rocked. I'll give them that. Dude, there was there was a lot of that though. I I I wrote like were famous musicians just lining up to be in this movie, famous at the time. I mean, if you watch the credits, yeah, it's insane. I didn't like, I didn't watch the credits. Oh, really? They have interviews with, like, Wyclef Jean and a few other people. I don't remember who else, Jeez. but, like, decently big names, like, did talking heads about, like, what the Country Bears meant to them. Not not the ride, like, the in-universe bears. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. pretending that they exist in our world and Wyclef Jean is a person that knows them and was inspired by them. I love it, man. It was real. I actually really liked that they did that in the credits, to be honest. It was a... Some of your hang-up, was it just the terrifying bear suits? No, I actually loved them. Um, they're they're from the Jim Henson Creature Shop. I actually, weirdly okay. enough, before we decided to do this, this is my YouTube algorithm in my life, I actually watched a video <laughs> on uh, on these bears and how they were used and like how they were made and what it took to like get them operating. Um, man, credit where credit is due to the suit actors and to the operators slash puppeteers. Like, they, I thought they looked great. They behaved great. Like, it was, it was no small task. You had to basically, like, coordinate four or five people per bear. You know, like, and mm-hmm. operate a machine while someone's in a suit and a voiceover is happening. Um, I actually thought that was 100% unironically seriously impressive. I thought they did a really, really great job on the bears. Yeah, I, I kept like pausing to watch the performances of the bears, just kind of like, how are they doing all this? And I, d- I didn't realize Jim Henson's company was involved, and that makes yeah. a ton of sense. Yeah. Because it was really impressive. And I was like, I should be like, a lazier company would have done something that freaked me out. Yeah, and made me really uncomfortable. But uh, but they they didn't do it this time. It was kind of believable. No, they were like, oh, believable as a cartoon bear could be, whatever. No, but they had like puppeteers running machines for the facial expressions. Yeah, you know, like so they That's, could do them live. That was my main focus. Was like the mouthing and like the eye movements and stuff. No, and I think that's what is like so disappointing about this movie is that shit is a masterclass. 
like master class um mm-hmm. in in filmmaking i'm a i'm a huge fan of practical effects i've said before on this show that i i don't believe in low art i'm like don't tell me that the t-rex from jurassic park isn't as impressive as a dramatic performance because it's fun like shut up that doesn't disqualify it like this is fantastic filmmaking as far as the bears themselves went that's right i loved it man can you believe that they um speaking of country stage performances it that reminds me of every which way but loose but can you believe mm-hmm. that they they literally ptsd from that <laughs> i was like oh, i don't need this again but they literally did the every which way but loose car chase winding up in a car wash yes i made a note that they stole a stupid bit from every which way but loose and And it was no more funny yet again the pursuing party did not just drive around to the other (sighs) end and wait for them this reminded me of every which way but loose in the worst ways possible (laughs) i couldn't believe we saw that again so close to every which way but loose it's incredible man I feel like I will see every movie we watched through the lens of that monkey episode from now on. It was kind of like the, the starting point of my cinema career. You you have texted me comparisons of certain Jason movies that we want to watch for the Friday the 13th episode to MVP. So <laughs> You're not lying. You know what? When you're 31 years old and you drink alone on a Friday night and watch MVP and Dunstan checks in back to back and then mm-hmm. wake up the next morning and watch uh, Every Which Way But Loose Sober and you're just completely happy with your decisions, this is what you get. <laughs> I, I didn't feel sad about any of those things at all. This is what we deserve, man. We, we earned it. We brought this on ourselves. And- Greg, on the note of songs, and I know you don't know this because uh, you've never ridden the ride or visited the attraction in Correct. Disney Park Speak. So this is what happens, okay? Oh, it yeah, is... yeah. I, I really wanted to walk through of the attraction, please. Sure, yeah. So basically, this is like a really old attraction in Disney Parks. Like, this is like from like, uh, I didn't, I should have looked it up. If not when Walt was actually alive and doing stuff very shortly after. And it's for the most part unmodified. So basically now it's, if you have nostalgia for it, like I do, you'll love it. And if you were alive in like 1960, this was like dropping acid and it'll forever blow your mind that there's Mm -hmm. these animatronic bears that sing to you. Um, but if you are like my wife who like had no nostalgia for it and got drug on it by me in her adult life, you will hate it. (laughs) You will hate it. Um, but basically, no, you just, you seriously go in, you sit down in a theater and then different animatronic bears sing you country songs. It's a theater. It's a theater. It's a, it's a show. You sit down. It's like a Chuck E. Cheese. Um, you sit down and something that was egregious there's these mounted heads on the wall a a bison a moose and a deer that are signatures of the show that did not appear in the movie at all and they just sing you some songs it's called the country bear jamboree and i like it a lot it's it's super old it's not rickety it's really cool um but this is what's crazy they did not do a single song from that show in this movie not one they didn't even like reference one or like no way. say a line from one. They did not do a single song from the show in the movie. Mind blowing. Dude, I was 
probably the right call. No. No. We Are the want... songs good. I I think so. I like them. Well, what what is what is there to the country bears other than the songs they sing? So if you make a country bears movie, how do you not even like strum a few chords of one of the songs? That's like literally country bears sing you songs and then it's over. That's right. all. You walk out into a Tex-Mex restaurant. <laughs> like, it's it. That's all you get. I've got a uh, I've got a link pulled up that I'm going to send you later. It's the uh, almost 13 year old YouTube video of Rock of Fire explosion. Oh. Uh, someone reprogrammed all the animatronic animals to do pop lock and drop it. See, Greg, this might blow your mind, but I actually watch a lot of restored animatronics YouTube videos. Of course you and do. And I've actually already seen the Rock of Fire explosion do Because I Got High by Afro Man. <laughs> <laughs> but I would gladly welcome Pop Lock and Drop It. I mean, better than the Country Bears? You decide. No. Well, musically, yes, but animatronic-wise, no. <laughs> Defi <laughs> definitely the case, yeah. Dude, no. how, how about... Steven Tobolowski, Dallas legend, doing he's from it again. Dallas? Yeah, he's from Dallas. No way. Oh, yeah. I only knew him from uh, Community. I wrote here in the notes, uh, he's going to, from this movie, teach Abed who's the boss. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's he's what he does. He's been in like 250 movies or shows, and we both just thought of him from one episode of Community. <laughs> one of the best episodes of Community. Glass dismissed! <laughs> opens his drawer and there's like a gun in it. <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> what was happening? An analysis of what's happening. Uh, I dude, was happy oh, to see him. I, I, I blew my co-worker's mind today. Uh, or yesterday, I should say. He was talking about a scene of community where it was like, yeah, like Abed was just like trying to stay in the background or something i was like yeah and in the background of that whole episode he's like meeting a pregnant woman and delivering a baby and at the end of the episode he says like oh i wasn't really doing anything yep. he was like i'm just doing i was just doing my own thing and he had no idea that was going in the background of the episode it's <laughs> that he just it's watched so good it's I was so like, good that's why in season two he delivers Shirley's baby with no problem. Because <laughs> he knew how to do it. <laughs> it's so good. Enough we, about the show, man. All right, yeah, yeah, go ahead. We've got to do a community thing at some point. Like, I don't know how or when or why, but, like, we're going to have to deviate from format and do community eventually. Yeah, there's got to be a TV show. Like, we're, we're doing all visual media that you and I both love, or mm -hmm. in some cases don't love. So sure. t TV will have to come into play at some point. Enough about community. Let's get to Christopher Walken. Oh, I forgot he was in this, and I got so hyped when he showed up. Dude, he was great. His company is called Slamboni <laughs> Destruction. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> what I loved is when they have the scene of him smashing miniatures of the Country Bear Hall. Yes. And they reveal, which like it actually makes sense later in the plot, but it didn't at this time. 
they reveal that this is not just about dollars. He has a passion for it. Like, mm-hmm. he just, like, loves the idea of demolishing Country Bear Hall. And at the time, you don't know why. And I was just like, this is so funny that they just made him, like, so evil that he's, like, pretending it's a financial decision. But he just, like, built a toy of it <laughs> just to smash it with, like, an anvil or whatever it was. And he it's built, just... like, 30 toys of it. <laughs> okay, I'm coming around with this movie now that we're talking about it a little more. That was a really great scene. Just smashed him over and over. Uh, I won't give away my favorite line yet, but my second favorite line is Christopher Walken. He's getting carried away, and he just yells in his typical Walken performance, This is not over! Bears! (laughs) (laughs) And there's definitely a comment, a comma in the subtitles, but he says, This is not over. Bears! Classic walk-in. Classic walk-in. It's fantastic. I, I had an immature moment in, in when they re, they revealed this was him later, but when they're talking about like an arm musician and one of the bears goes, what's an arm musician? I really want to, I wanted one of them to say, he masturbates a lot, so to speak. <laughs> Something like arm musician sounded like a euphemism for chronic masturbator to me. <laughs> He could play that wiener like a fiddle. <laughs> and I wonder if in like 2001, somebody would have said, yeah, in, a, in another year or so, Haley Joel Osment is going to play across from Christopher Walken. And then this is going to be the movie that you're going to see. <laughs> I didn't realize it was Haley Joel Osment until I was on IMDb later. And I was exactly. Like, no fucking way. No fucking way. I was like 15 minutes in. I was like, oh, yeah, it is him. Okay. <laughs> I guess this is the only. <laughs> this is how we get him with Chris. Hey, he's having a he's having a redemption arc right now. I love Angel him. Osment's the man. I like him, him a lot. Him and the boys is hilarious. He's great on the boys. Like one of the best parts of that show. Oh yeah. Man. I just want to know. First of all, who the fuck has ever been on the Country Bears ride at Disney World and been like, elaborate? I need more backstory. And then, I want to, go ahead. We're talking over. I want to see how this got greenlit, but yeah, keep going. My next thought on top of that, to piggyback on it, was who the fuck decided we should feel something while we watched this movie? And that should be the main tone of the film. Um, probably one of the country bears. Don't blame this on Big Al. I blame Trixie. You can't. You can't blame Fred Betterhead for that. You would blame the woman for emotions, dude. Country she was... bears, toxic masculine confirmed. There's no emotion to her. She's barely in the movie. She does her intro song, and then the actress that plays her voice is in the scene with the guy from the Eagles, and then Trixie's just in the back of the bus. For the rest of the movie, not doing really anything. Very, very inconsequential to this arc. Fun fact, she uh, she's in the show at the park, and she's just a depressed wino. Very cool, Disney. <laughs> she seriously comes down from the ceiling and sings about how depressed she is while she has like a glass of wine in her hand. The song's called Tears Will Be the Chaser for My Wine, which is also my favorite 2005 Screamcore song. <laughs> 
I think dogs yeah. could grow beards all over Rotiers will be the chaser for my line. I was about to say Attack Attack did that one, didn't they? Um, <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking throwback, man. Man, um, how are you feeling, man? How much how much left do you have on Country Bears? Um, I have a little bit more. What about you? Yeah, I got a little bit. I'll let you go, though. Okay. Um, you know... Spinal Tap is in shambles after they turned it up to 12 in the opening sequence. Um, I can't believe they did that. Nice. Um, you know, ultimately, I think what really, what really, to bring it back to like a non-ironic discussion, I just think the tone is what fucked this movie up for me in every way. Um, I think it was supposed to be taken, despite like the absurdity, they really, really, really did this like serious accept yourself art matters be yourself arc about a fucking anthropomorphic bear that talks um i feel like it was kind of doing that on the surface but i also feel like it was satire but i don't think it was but it was i really don't think it it was it had that tone but it was satirizing nothing it was a satire of nothing that had been done before and it like had that tone but it was also but it was actually trying to be genuine i think that's why i like it because it had a tone that made me think it was trying to like have that faux you know like in a satire movie where it's just like here's the emotional arc but we all know it's a joke but it was really the emotional arc (laughs) yeah okay i was about to say what was the part where they told you it was a joke (laughs) my my own brain said it was a joke so therefore i love the movie (laughs) greg i think that they unironically (laughs) said get the band back together 40 times in this movie i think it it was a completely unironic unironic move dude i'm filling in a lot of gaps in my head and yeah it made me have a lot of fun I wish I could view it through so that stupid. lens because honestly, I think I would love it if they like approach this as like a, a, a one of my least favorite Oscar bait genres is like musician biopic, and I think if they went all in and had like David Wayne and Michael Showalter direct the Country Bear spoof <laughs> of like you know if they wanted to make that in 2022 and they announced those guys behind the scenes and it was gonna like spoof a star is born i would be like this is the coolest thing to ever happen um i just i don't think that betterhead was meant as a joke i just don't i think i think the amount they said family rivaled fast and the furious and i just i don't think it was do do the bears have names on the attraction yes Yes, they do and i'm upset that some of them weren't included is one of them fred betterhead or not no, one of them is definitely not Fred Betterhead. So as they far added as I'm aware. that in on purpose. As far as I'm okay. aware. Oh, shit, let me fact check. I never fact check, but I'll say I certainly don't remember Fred Betterhead. Um, I mean, when's the last time you were even on the attraction? I'm saying that uh, instead of ride for you, buddy. It's been a few years. Oh, son of a bitch. Fred Betterhead. He's part of the ride attraction? Damn. Yes, he's like... He's part of an ensemble of bears, and he, like, stands in the back and plays harmonica. Ensemble. I just... Oh, yeah, that's the other thing I remember about the trailer watching as a kid is uh, the voiceover just did about 30 bear puns. And I think that's why I didn't see it. It's probably fair. 
because there weren't that many bear puns in the movie. They could. They were unbearable. Hey, I wish I could pause the trailer. I'm gonna read my next note, Greg. You are a bad person. Salmon. And I actually oh. made that note, <laughs> and I'm gonna say it about your jokes and oh. and you choosing this movie. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to be the bad guy, but in this case, I really wanted to, and I'm glad I succeeded. <laughs> I hope I ruin your whole Disney trip for you. Uh, no, I will always... Th- thankfully, this wasn't anywhere near enough like the Country Bear Jamboree attraction for me to uh, translate any negative feelings to it, but uh, Haunted Mansion might get us there. We'll see. <laughs> um, That's right. Um, I, ha- I had a few stray thoughts about this. Hit me. One, they make fun of, is it Ted, Ted Betterhead, for renting a room in Elton John's garage. And I was like, that sounds like a pretty fucking cool life to me. Oh, yeah. I'd be pretty proud of myself if I rented a room from Elton John. I'd be, I don't know what more I would want. (laughs) It's amazing. You're a wedding singer. Good on him, man. That's cool. You're a wedding singer who lives with Elton John. In a That's sense. so cool. That's so much cooler than most people's lives. Most bears' lives, I'll say that much. One of them's a divorce attorney. Or like a, a um, marriage therapist, counselor. Yeah. One of my notes was uh, that this movie set therapy back 20 years. <laughs> but... Is that, a, is that a trick in therapy to be like more traumatized and sad than your patient? That's funny you should say that, Greg, because it's actually really unethical to self-disclose in those ways. Copy However, that. not that we're not. <laughs> you just don't do that in session. <laughs> do do you hold that same standard to bears? Well, we joke, but I actually did make up a therapeutic modality called therapy. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it on. We'll put it on our uh, on our Patreon. But basically, it's we don't about, have a Patreon. We have a Patreon. It's, just it's very, all for it's, free. It's very exclusive. It's very exclusive the patreon in our heads yeah what's on there if if you're someone who listens to this and heard me ramble on about therapy in grad school please contact me just let me know there's still people out there who know about my theories one of you please reach out <laughs> the point might, of it was that i might need therapy <laughs> your neurosis is meant to help you realize that you're supposed to wrestle a bear and that <laughs> a lot of people think that are that that bears are metaphors for our problems but actually our problems are metaphors for bears <laughs> we're supposed to get over our problems so we can go wrestle a bear <laughs> i didn't realize psychology was so badass uh, <laughs> it is when i make it up <laughs> it is when i make it up my made-up psychology is hell yeah man um i had one last observation about this movie mm-hmm well, one last note, I should say. I'll just read it. Uh, IMDb Trivia says that this is the exact same plot as the Muppets 2011 movie, which isn't trivia, but rather an observation. Thanks for nothing, internet hacks. Yeah. They're not wrong, though. Shit. Yeah, the Mupp- So, the Muppets actually uh-huh. thought of them when they were getting the band back together. The Muppets in 2011 actually did spoof the genre when they were doing all the, like let's travel by map you know like they actually were tongue-in-cheek making fun of the get the band back together thing you can't drive to paris denny it's too far (laughs) (laughs) 
I am I'm a homer for that movie and the Muppets, oh, by the way. I I loved it. Oh, we'll watch it someday together. Yeah. I've been meaning we'll do a to do a whole Muppets it. episode. Oh my god, can we? Uh we'll we'll expand it to all puppet movies because I gotta save Muppet Christmas Carol for the Christmas episode. Yeah, well, obviously. So obviously. all puppet movies, one of them will be the twenty eleven Muppets. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Sorry. We're riffing. We're we're stop developing. Um Yep, that's pretty true, though. It's really not a very different plot, but I think that goes to show that it's all in the execution. That's right. Speaking of execution... Uh-oh. You may notice, aficionados may notice, that for this movie, Country Bear Hall was the Disneyland design and not the Walt Disney World design. They're very different aesthetics. And in Disneyland, they did not save Country Bear Hall, and it got demolished. Do you know who killed the country bears in Disneyland? Christopher Walken. No, worse. Winnie the Pooh. <gasps> yeah. He kicked him right out and built his own ride in oh, their country bother. bear hole. Oh, bother is right. Trouble bother. <laughs> Double bother. <laughs> so yeah, this movie is like a really saccharine optimistic, st- optimistic take. But in the real world, Winnie the Pooh wins in the end, motherfuckers. <laughs> is that a metaphor for china anyways yes. <laughs> <laughs> well the trick is to build to build two country bearer halls and then you're uh you know one of them will make it out you gotta play the percentages fair can fair. i throw out a, a few more stray thoughts before we jump into wrapping up dude uh we spent a long time on this movie that you say you didn't have much to say about but go yeah, ahead well i have thoughts and feelings what can yeah. i say um one is that my favorite country bear was not in this movie and i just want to take time to say justice for liverlips mcgraw we salute you sir we, we salute you liverlips the friend of the needs, show the friend of the show liverlips mcgraw was not in this movie <laughs> <laughs> it was very depressing for me um the second was simply that after i watched this disney plus recommended that i watch brother bear and i was like jesus give me some time to heal (laughs) don't hit me with another early 2000s (laughs) disney bear movie (laughs) i I think i saw that one at the time but hadn't seen it since not memo memorable i don't but also not totally unbearable greg 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 Please finish this. <laughs> Greg, what's your favorite line in this movie? My favorite line is another Christopher Walken line where he's discussing um, his plots for revenge and the day of reckoning for the bears is coming. And he says, well, that day is tonight. <laughs> that was really funny, actually. It fucking rules. He ruled in this movie, man. He's amazing. I think my favorite line is uh, the note that Barry left that said, Mom and Dad went to find my destiny. It's all, it's all clawed up. <laughs> yeah. He's a bear. Although honorable mention to when someone goes, Come on, Fred. Like they said it in like the weirdest <laughs> way. <laughs> You're coming Ooh. around on this movie. I feel it. I actually have more positive feelings now after talking about it than I did watching it. I thought it was going to put me in a bad mood to the point that I didn't want to open with it because we didn't want another Matrix 3 situation on our hands. But uh, 
I, you know, I didn't even get to talk about the confirmed Grizzly versus Panda race war in the Country Bear Extended Universe, Ooh. and I'm, I'm still in a good mood. I told you this had something to do with China. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, my only, my last closing thought is, I can't believe we made it this far, and Officer Cheats was not mentioned as being Lawrence from Office Space. Oh no! I did make that note. I did yeah, make that note. Yeah, you did. Yeah, pretty no. awesome. That was really cool. I, I did. I just forgot to bring it up. I actually. Hey Barry, check out the tits on Channel Nine. <laughs> we had a good enough conversation that I actually wasn't really pouring through my notes. I was just, I was just immersed. Immersed in the country bears. Yeah, it man. Was. Greg, what's your, what's your critic or score? Why do I feel like this is gonna upset me? Uh, it won't be too upsetting. Um, as much as I praised it, my Critiker score is a twenty-five out of forty, which is a six point two five out of ten. My personal opinion is that is generous, but I respect your autonomy. I um, feel like I made my points. What's yours? Eighteen out of fifty. Goddamn! <laughs> it's a bad movie, man. It would be like a like a fifteen if it weren't for the animatronics, man. I feel you. Might be a, like a one. Nah, that's, that's coherent. I'd give it. That's a just like your opinion, man. All right, dude. They they rush this movie, so <laughs> even the like travel across America montage was sped up to three times speed. Yes. It's just like let's no, let's just let's get going. <laughs> don't make us wait around too much. We don't have time for this. Come on. Yeah, and I think you can't go for such heavy emotions when you're just blatantly and openly and nakedly powering through everything like that like oh hey man those bears at least wore shirts they I'll weren't naked that. i'll give them that i'll give them that if anybody wants a, a, a movies for when live stream live stream of me making what making god why can't i talk right now if anyone wants a movies for when live stream of me making vanessa producer and savior of the show ride mm -hmm. country bears which she has agreed to do say so in the comments and get uh get a seltzer to sponsor us a particular hard seltzer that we love very much yeah. that i'm drinking right now but i won't say their name because they don't pay us tango um, charlie baby tango, tango charlie. charlie seamless edit we're here for pirates seamless of the caribbean b-o-t-c baby Potsy. Oh yeah, brother, brother! Dude, what a good movie! I love this movie, man. I love this. Movie. I really am crazy about this movie. I uh, I didn't even watch the movie before this episode because I've already seen it a bajillion times. So I'm good. I did. I've already seen it a billion times, and I rewatched it anyway because I wanted to because I like it. I think it it's when uh, so good. Yes. When Disney Plus like first dropped, I think that's one of the first things that my girlfriend and I watched on there was <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, it's really fitting that we're doing it after Country Bears because Country Bears almost got this movie canceled. Basically, no way. Basically, Disney was on a pitch to uh, to do a whole bunch of theme park adaptation rides, which they did. Uh, people really wanted to make Pirates of the Caribbean, and they like fought for it. Like I've said before, I think someone having to fight for a movie's existence is usually a good predictor of its quality because that means people cared about it. Um, basically, right after uh, Michael Eisner's failed Euro Disneyland adventure um, in Paris, the Country Bears bombed. All of a sudden, it turns out 
the success of the Disney brand is not as unlimited as Eisner once thought it was. He told them to halt production on Pirates of the Caribbean. Gore Verbinski said, nope, keep working on it. Um, <laughs> told his people to keep working and brought Michael Eisner into the process to show them to show him like, hey, come see this. I promise it's good. So they basically had to prove to Michael Eisner, who was full, who actually did pull the plug, and they just decided, no, we're going to keep going. They had to bring him on and be like, hey, look at this. We have something good here. This is not going to be the Country Bears. But this almost didn't happen because the Country Bears failed so hard. Yeah, this is almost as good as the Country Bears. So, um... Dude, I, I didn't know that. That's that's really cool. I'm I'm really glad they that no. committed people stuck with their art yeah it was the first pg-13 movie to be released under the disney brand yeah they'd released everything else under touchstone pictures like they really took a lot of risk with this and uh it really paid off and i would really like to give disney plus's description as our movie synopsis please <laughs> go ahead was this this <laughs> was your pick right or was this I mean, was this like the you, consensus pick I think, well, I mean, like, you made your Country Bears pick, and then I was like, well, then we should just do all three of these movies. Yeah, I think that's where we So I guess on. technically these were both my pick, but it was more like you chose Country Bears, and it was like, you can't do that and Snow White. You know, I, I, <laughs> like forced, got... I forced your hand by picking Country Bears. Yeah. If we were going to do Country Bears, as friend of the show Will Reno says, you've got to go all gotta in go on all theme in. park rides. Um, no, but. Uh, this is Disney Plus's description of this movie. Are you ready? I don't think I've read it. Please, please hit me. <laughs> One of the richest conglomerates in the history of the world. Absolute monopoly. <laughs> drowning in money. Here's their description for our listeners. Jack Sparrow and Will Turner partner to save the governor's daughter. <laughs> That's it! What? That's it! That's all they put on there! That's the whole description That's of the, the movie. That's the least engaging part of the movie. <laughs> they don't even mention that it's a pirate movie. Curse treasure. The- Who are these two characters? <laughs> Who's the governor? The governor of Florida? <laughs> what? Oh. I couldn't believe that that was their synopsis. Of one of the most, like, it spawned, like, what, six sequels? <laughs> They're working on a six? Uh, these, these two, you know, they, uh, they get together and they do some stuff. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> you They should have just put, instead of that, they should have just said, you know what it is, you've already seen it. <laughs> don't, don't sit on the fence. You know where you are. <laughs> unbelievable do we want to give an actual synopsis or uh, just let it be that everyone's seen it we're not we're gonna we're not gonna be like them and just play both sides of the fence you've seen the movie you've seen pirates you've of the seen Caribbean. the movie you've seen it yeah if you haven't don't act like you why haven't. are you listening to this show why would you listen to this what are you doing why here? would you listen to this in general you went through country bears and you haven't seen pirates of the caribbean like <laughs> oh, can you, they hurry up and get to if you are listening to this right now and you have seen country bears but not pirates of the caribbean please contact us and i will mail you a pirates of the caribbean caribbean dvd or pay for a month of your disney plus subscription can they just hurry up and get to haunted mansion already 
You just have to verifiably prove that you have seen Country Bears, but not Pirates of the Caribbean. And I will, I will, I will make sure you have access to Pirates of the Caribbean. You poor tortured soul. That person exists. It. The uh, DVD is ninety nine cents as at your local Walmart. Just, just go. Just go. Just go. Just, just go. Give Movie Trading Co. a few bucks. <laughs> they need it. God, I love. Go them. to Family Video. Um, whatever. Hmm. <laughs> Did you know that uh, Johnny Depp almost got fired from this movie? No. I didn't look up any facts or trivia about this, so oh. everything, every did you know is going to be met with a no. Oh, okay. I, uh, Generally. The, I'm a huge fan of the Pirates franchise. Well, I was. Um, but we were all 13. For a, for a while, like when I was in high school, I would have told you Pirates 2 was my favorite movie ever. I loved it. I was crazy about this series. Um but no, I, so I know some fun facts. But Johnny Depp was almost fired in pre-production because he was so adamant that uh, he should have all of these like crazy things about Jack Sparrow. Like he wanted to have uh, he wanted to have like his nose cut off from a sword fight. He wanted all this stuff, and they were like, "This dude is in orbit. Like we've got to <laughs> we've got to figure something else out, man." And they finally basically compromised and were like, "What if we let you be?" like uh a really weird pirate would that be enough Ooh. and we could still give you millions of dollars and not fire you but you have to have a whole nose and you can just be a really weird guy would that work good compromise and they, they, they came to terms <laughs> so um greg what's your history with this movie i kind of shared mine uh my history is the same as everybody's of our age it came out uh when we were 12 or 13 everybody saw it and everybody loved it. We all fall yep. in love with the characters. I think I saw it at like a mall theater in Houston or something. I feel like we get like one of these a decade where it is just this on paper, a soulless, depressing branding exercise. And then they somehow make an amazing movie. The 2000s got Pirates of the Caribbean. The 2010s got the Lego movie. I wonder what the 2020s will get. If we're lucky, not another Pirates of the Caribbean movie. That's happening. Get used to it. <sighs> um, so, are you familiar with the who is the protagonist debate around this movie? Because I have I have a thought. I have a whole theory. I'm not familiar with the debate. No. So there's a debate of is Jack Sparrow the protagonist or is Will Turner the protagonist? There's like this big online thing about it. Um. My answer is neither. This is this is one of my hotter deep cuts that's my own original thought and not something I watched on YouTube. I think there is no protagonist. I think the protagonist is a concept. Mm. And that concept is moral relativism. Oh my god. Write it down, people. Write it down. The theory being that... Basically, we meet Jack a little bit late in the game. Not too late. Um, well, Greg wrote it down. <laughs> um, that we don't like Will Turner's bitch ass enough for him to be the protagonist. Uh, like, he is a sucky old character. <laughs> I don't even fault Orlando Bloom. They really didn't give him a lot to work what with. What a boy TBH. scout. What a boy scout. Um, but it's all about how these people need to embrace the duality. And every single character 
has an arc related to moral relativism. Even like Governor Swan and Commodore Norrington have this relativism arc. Um, problems start getting solved when they embrace the gray, when they all get out of their black and white thinking. And even Jack Sparrow, I think he's just an agent of moral relativism that disrupts everybody's life and causes them to think differently. And I'll go as far as to say, I love movies. I've watched a lot of movies. Very few movies have like changed the way I think about the world in some way. And this movie really helped me embrace my dual natures. Like that there is like a, a good side of me that can be really presentable and can be really acceptable. And there's a kind of grody side of me that's a little bit edgy. Um, not in like a cool way. Not in like a hot topic edgy way. Um, One of you is the Joker. That's stop. I oh, or is that too twisted for you, Danny? <laughs> Touch one of the people I love, and I'll make you bleed. <laughs> there's there's um, a million Facebook memes we could just cite. If here. you're not subscribed to the subreddit R Joker Cringe, <laughs> it is it is not that active. But man, let me tell you, when it gets a post. It is just something real special that I really, really, really like. One of my friends, uh, one of my friends, Tyler, he constantly posts on his Instagram story a, um, he reposts stuff from stuff, like a page called Joker Quotes or something, and it's always just a screenshot of the Joker from The Dark Knight with a, not even a quote from the movie. It's like, if you believe in your dreams, there's nothing that anybody can do to stop you. Or something, and he always says, hell yeah, that's my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> but, uh, man, duality of character. That makes me yeah. think a lot about, like, you know, you brought it to yourself. I think it's a really cool, thing, cool way to think about characters in movies. Because the worst characters both like written and like oh man this guy is a real you know stick in the mud he's just being the worst character ever is someone that does yeah. things black and white they're either the boy scout or they're just like criminally evil to the mm -hmm. just for the sake of being evil and then it's mm -hmm. the more fun characters in movies that just dabble in a little bit of both maybe they are on the good side of things but they're just like can bend the rules a little bit if need be no absolutely because that's how life is no you life is not that black and white and i think you see these characters go on these cool journeys where uh like for example will turner is a boy scout to his own detriment he is not able to get anything he wants but for some reason holds true to this rigid thinking yeah like he the like the woman he wants to be with loves him and he knows it's improper for him to to initiate that um even to the point of like the blacksmith gets all the credit for all of will's work even when it's besting jack sparrow and will just like sits there quietly um finally like jack even challenges him out of you know they have this marriage of convenience and will has to like go on this arc of like embracing that your father was a pirate and a good man uh and that you have him in you and you have this streak in you and it leads to that awesome climax, which we'll get to. But I think even like more minor characters have that arc um, where I think even you see that like with Elizabeth's journey of like 
she hated that rigid thinking and wanted out of it, but she never saw a path, you know, and she was kind of uh, forced over the uh, the proverbial threshold, you know, like she was taken. She might not have disrupted her path, but supernatural aid happened. Thanks, Hero's Journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she was more willing to embrace a little a little edginess here and there and even manipulate the black and white thinking, but even more minor characters like Commodore Norrington and Governor Weatherby Swan. I think they're really underrated and really great characters because they're kind of set up to be the bad guys. And then as it goes on, you really kind of start to find out that like Norrington doesn't want to force Elizabeth into a marriage she doesn't want to be in. He loves her and he asks her to marry him. And when she says no decisively, he accepts that. You know, like there mm-hmm. is, and even is like, and like, when Governor Swan looks at his daughter and is like, you're sure this is what you want? You know, like, and she's like, yeah, I know it's what I want. And then he, like, walks away with his head down while our heroes kiss, you know, like, in the sunset. And it's it's so awesome. He even has that line of what perhaps in the rare event that the right course of action demands an act of piracy. Piracy is the right course. It's, it's really cool. And the theme is there. And even those characters that are kind of set up as our archetypal like rules are good freedom is bad villains they kind of go on this journey and they become a little bit less that way they're all changed yeah i love it man i think it's just just top-notch stuff man yeah i think like the easy thing to think about is will turner's path from black and white boy scout follow the rules is kind of what everyone gravitates to when you mention that but mm-hmm. like you you mentioned all the side characters even doing that yeah and that uh, that doesn't always work one way of you know like you were saying governor swan kind of like well maybe things could actually be this way and it's definitely a spectrum in this movie at least of characters kind of meeting somewhere in the middle and that even goes with bad guys kind of meeting somewhere in the middle with mm-hmm. good guys and like seeing things in a different light like it doesn't always just have to be like well let's embrace embrace our rebellious side it's also like the perceived bad guys or pirates saying like yeah there could be some order and structure to some things actually yeah well no and it's it's a cool workaround to the fact that pirates are cool but they're criminals you know like mm-hmm. and they're not pirates if they're not, you know, murdering and killing everyone, which really isn't what pirates were doing all the time, but in movie pirates, you know, like, they have to do that. But they add, like, uh, you know, they've got the code. And you see Barbosa say, those are really more guidelines than rules, right? Mm-hmm. And they have that, and it adds some coolness to the anti-hero. But I think there's a really cool element at the end, because the pirates are always saying, keep to the code, keep to the code. And then when they abandon jack and take his ship jack says they've done not, they've done what's right by them that's all you can ask right yeah or what's i even actually wrote down the exact quote oh god i have so many notes let me see if i can find it yep they've done what's right by them can't expect more than that yeah and that's what's really cool because jack's belief is take what you can give nothing back basically look out for number one and you see this cool moment where even when he is the victim of that, he doesn't hold it against them because that's his code. You know, like that's his moral rule that he lives by. Yeah. And that just like, it really 
makes Jack a completely well-rounded character to me that it's like, no, he's not even mad because that's what he would have done. Even if this code doesn't benefit him, he understands it and he respects it. And then they embrace their relativism and they come rescue him. You know, like they're like, dude, you can't just do what's right by you. You've like, we wouldn't be here without Jack and we've got to go get him. He's going to get killed. A man must have a code. Yeah, I a think. A man must have a code. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like a code that allows for a certain amount of gray area is is pretty interesting. Yeah. I, I just think it's cool that everyone's all the characters have their own perception of how widespread that gray area is and where on that spectrum they kind of lie. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you've got... Uh, I can't remember the character's name, but it's the first guy they meet up with in Tortuga that's, you know, the first maid on the black... Or on the... Um... Mr. Gibbs. Yeah, Mr. Gibbs. He's He's kind of like the most good guy pirate out of the bunch, mm-hmm. you know? But they even show... I didn't even notice this the first time I watched it. They don't even really reference it. He's in the first scene with the with the Royal Navy. He has had a journey that has defected him from, like, the light side to the dark oh, side. Oh, yeah, yeah, He's yeah, the yeah, one yeah, yeah. talking to Elizabeth on the boat yeah. in the original scene. That's right. Even him, man. I think I, like, I, think he, I did remember that. I just forgot until just now. Yeah, yeah. it's really cool. They And they, like... They don't talk about it the rest of the movie. And I remember on my first watch through, I'd kind of forgotten about it. And then like the second time, it kind of startled me when I was like, holy shit, that was Mr. Gibbs in the first scene. And they never say like, after you fell from grace and left the Royal Navy and became a scurvy, scandalous pirate. They just expected you to remember it or maybe let it be a little nod. But even he had like, he'd lived the more rigid life. He'd done it. And something happened where... He wakes up sleeping with pigs, which, by the way, when I was a kid, that was just... It's on. It's a scene on the ride. There's a pirate sleeping with some pigs, mm-hmm. and I just thought it was the funniest shit in the world. <laughs> like, I thought it was hilarious that he was sleeping with stinky pigs, and I really appreciated that nod to the ride in the movie. Yeah, how, old, how old were you when you uh, first, like, enjoyed the ride, or, like, how did, like, do you remember it? Oh, dude, I, I couldn't even tell you. I, I told on, on a previous version, I told a story about how I was definitely young enough to have been to Disney World and thought the pirates were real and I wouldn't go yeah, on it. Yeah, and yeah. Thought, I thought they were going to kill my dad. I like I thought there were real pirates in there and I waited outside with my grandma while my dad wrote it and was just blown away when he emerged unscathed from his pirate battle um i I couldn't tell you how young i was when i first went on it that's how like ingrained that ride is in my memory my family went to disney a lot i yeah like i said i only went there once when i was like 18 or 19 and we did this is one of the rides we did ride um Mm -hmm. that's like movie based and it's the only one out of the three we're doing tonight Mm -hmm. i just remember like because yeah i i grew up on that movie in my early teens Mm -hmm. so i remembered everything and i was like ah this is that actually was a cool nod to this part i think my favorite one was like the uh all the pirates in the prison cell trying to attract the dog that's holding all the keys and they've got the bone they're like trying to get him to come there no that was really great had they added uh had they added jack sparrow to it by the time you went on i don't think so okay so you saw the og attraction i believe i did yes cool o- very cool. og pirates y'all the the jack sparrow anim- animatronic is a 10 out of 10 like it's amazing but 
I just think it goes to show oh. how creative they got with this movie because this story is not the story of the ride at all in any way whatsoever. Dude, none of the rides that we're talking about have like a real substantial plot or anything. Oh, Greg. But this... Greggy, well, Greg, well, Greg. well, shush, shush, shush. Greggy, Greg, Gregory, Greg. Wait till we get to Haunted Mansion. I have some things to say okay, about that statement. Okay, fine. I'm just saying that this is the best... Here's a small template. Here's a theme. Here's a vibe. And they made yeah. the best plot out of these three, at least. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. Well, because, you know, the lore that is responsible for the ride itself serves a lot of template for people to make some story out of. And on a ride, mm -hmm. you can't really make that story, but yep. based on the ride, which is based on these you know old stories you can make some really cool movie out of it and then you yep. just gotta plug in the most interesting and charismatic characters that you can cast mm -hmm. which is where jeffrey rush comes in oh jeffrey rush who is probably one of my favorite parts of the movie um you know when you're 13 orlando bloom you just watch all the lord of the rings movies so you love yeah. legolas he's in this movie yeah Johnny Depp is this cool, crazy pirate with all these tattoos and his crazy hair. You love him. And then Jeffrey Rush is like this charismatic bad guy. And I feel like I didn't appreciate him because I was so focused on the other two main characters. Are mm -hmm. they main characters, as you mentioned before? But yeah. They're main characters, but are they protagonists? Are they protagonists? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like Jeffrey Rush delivered an all time performance. To mm -hmm. his most iconic character. Oh, yeah. And he's, like, the most pirate in the cinema sense. You know, like, the most genre pirate pirate out of all the pirates. And he is just this perfect balance that we absolutely needed. He can't help but love him. Um, I remember Gore Verbinski said that uh, Jeffrey Rush basically took this role too seriously. Mm -hmm. That he was calling Gore at all hours of the night and being like do you think captain barbosa would say it like this and Gore verbinski was like go to bed jeffrey <laughs> <laughs> but he like he he put a lot of thought and a lot of effort into the role and it really showed it was really really good man uh for those of you that don't know uh Gore verbinski directed this film boy did he yeah so i just feel like i should have mentioned that yeah Dude, is there a better hero's entrance scene than Jack Sparrow coming in on the boat? Ah, oh, that's one of the first things I referenced when talking about this movie to a friend. Just like, I'm going to be like Captain Jack Sparrow on a sinking ship, just seamlessly strutting onto a dock. Yeah, I think it's the goat entrance ever in a movie. I can't think of a better one. Confidently, confident buffoonery. Yeah. yeah. So, but what's so great about Jack in this movie, which they completely lost in future Pirates of the Caribbean movies, is uh, he has some real menace to him in this. And in the in every other in every other installment in the franchise, he's just like a comedy, wacky, lucky guy that stumbles through life. Mm -hmm. There are <laughs> moments in this when he has some real edge and he like is real scary and is absolutely a scoundrel like when he pulls the gun on elizabeth um when he's fighting will there's some real like 
threatening nature to Jack Sparrow and honestly the rest of the pirates too like they did their comedy moments but they like they they wanted you to know these are not nice guys they will they will shoot someone in the head to keep living yeah exactly yeah I think I think menace is a good way to put it because he's you know he's I'm trying to come up with a Lord of the Rings metaphor but he's not Sauron nah but he's still and I can't think of a character damn I think that goes to show the uniqueness of Jack Sparrow let us know in the comments who Jack Sparrow compares to in the Lord of the Rings uh, he's like a hobbit mixed with Aragorn it's kind of yeah, how I so feel Aragorn characteristics but also some whimsy yeah he's like Merry and Pippin already drunk fused with Aragorn sober <laughs> fool of a took <laughs> dude I love the sword fight between Jack and Will just talk about an action scene motivated by story you know like what they're doing and the themes and why they're doing what they're doing and not just having a sword fight to to be a cool sword fight and they even do this fucking awesome foreshadowing that I wish they would do in modern action adventures where he says he points the gun at him and goes this shot wasn't meant for you Mm -hmm. they don't tell you why you don't know why he could kill him but he's just like ah please move and that's please (laughs) that's part of the menace too when he points the gun at will that you were talking Mm -hmm. about that's part of that menace but then it's like ooh, what does he mean by that and then that tension is broken up immediately by him having a bottle smashed over his head and then him just stone faced staring straight forward just falling straight down to the ground face first oh so just doing my civic duty star and then yeah then a score in that scene that was etched into all of our brains at the Mm. time like the soundtrack (laughs) for this movie is just unforgettable i think yep i was in band in middle school we played this at some point i think we all did do you want to know what's crazy you ever watch gladiator yeah it's the same soundtrack i'm gonna have to rewatch gladiator they seriously i'm not even joking at multiple points it's and like the theory is that like han zimmer basically was like oh my god disney theme park ride let me just mail it in real quick and then it became like iconic no one knows that you know but it's just like it's he he scored both movies and it's like unbelievable how similar the soundtracks are and it feels weird when you watch gladiator now because you're like what the fuck is the pirates of the caribbean song doing in this movie but it's there a lot like it's in the movie a lot it's crazy jack sparrow would have been a welcome addition to the gladiator film i think it could have used a little bit more i'll say that what a great movie oh dude yeah um you know (laughs) i've actually tried the canoe thing that they do when i worked at camp oh like trying to hold it underwater yeah it's just like it's fun yeah does it work well you i could do it above water like with like the canoe turned upside down on the surface but then you just swim and like kick your legs yeah yeah but you i mean like you can't get the canoe to 
the weight of you and another person's not enough to bring all that air underwater and keep it there. Yeah. But I definitely was able to like keep my head above water inside a canoe and talk to someone while it was turned upside down. It was really fun. I'm glad somebody tried it. Consider this yeah. myth busted. I needed to know. Speaking of busted, did you know that this is the first movie we've ever Uh-oh. watched on this podcast that has an actual monkey in it? That's right. We named the Monkey Jack. Monkey Jack. We mentioned it before. <laughs> we named the Monkey Jack. <laughs> I think it was the monkey was the same monkey actor in all of the Pirates movies featuring that character. Really? Yeah. Nice. It was the He's same good. actor. He got a he got a post credit scene in this. Actor, monkey, whatever you want to say. No, this is not an ape. This is a monkey. This is a monkey. We do know the difference after three episodes of getting it wrong. Yep. Greg, how do you think the CGI aged in this movie? Uh, poorly. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not horrible. No. But it really is very 2003. I think the only time the CGI like really wowed me was when I saw it in the theater with my brother. Mm-hmm. When it was yeah, when it had just come out. I was like, whoa, there's skeletons now. And then, like, reaching into the moonlight and, like, only their arms starts turning into, like, skeletons and stuff like that. And then I watch it now and it's... There was one really good... One really good movie magic moment. Movie magic. And it was when... um, Jack and Barbosa are fighting at the end and there's like a beam of moonlight getting in the cave mm-hmm. and I it blows my mind how they did it Jack like Johnny Depp jumps into the light is immediately a skeleton swings a sword a few times jumps back out of the light and is Johnny Depp again um, it was very smooth and we were far enough away to not see that much detail to the CGI you know and it was yeah. just much like our edits very seamless I would say we're about as good as the Pirates of the Caribbean CGI with those some would say um, better some would say better people are saying Um, it that was the one time that i was like okay that was really cool it's all in one take too like they didn't cut or anything like it was very well done dude Um, that's the trick to being good at cgi back then put it mm -hmm. as far away from the foreground as possible (laughs) because the bad part of the cgi is when they like first reveal the curse and they're just like getting there's like all that movement people going like in and out of like being right in front of the lens and like that's where the cgi kind of falters is just putting too much focus on it not to mention they're basically doing like a musical number that doesn't fit tonally with the movie at all like they're not singing but you have like the skeletons like scrubbing the deck on beat yeah and then they like throw her they throw uh um kiera knightley up on the sheet they like like circus trampoline her a couple times you know like it was like on top of it just being like very playstation 2 um it also just (laughs) tonally did not fit with the movie yeah it was just like what is this weird strange like romanticized skeleton dance that you're, you guys are doing. Yeah. Uh, a musical number with no singing is my favorite musical number, though. I will say. <laughs> yeah, true, true. But can you imagine that scene if they went all out on some, like, skeleton practical effects? Can you imagine? Oh, man. That would have been, been pretty like, cool. I think it would have, like, bumped this up to pretty close to flawless without the CGI. Um... And again, it's not even that bad. 
bad. It's just very dated. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll say this forever. And way too I focused ha- on. Yeah. Yeah. I hate when a character is CGI because it always breaks my immersion because on some level I'm constantly reminded that what's happening is not real when a character is CGI. Um, and they had a lot of characters that became CGI on and off. So like when a character CGI for the whole movie, you're just like, oh boy, okay. Yeah, like in like Age of Ultron, like on some level, I just always know Ultron's not real. Mm-hmm. So like, versus I've I mentioned it before, <clears throat> ET tricks my brain into thinking ET is real. Yeah, and so I invest, you know, like and when I just when I know that it just on some level reminds me, don't get too invested in this because nothing's really happening. Because you just always know when it's CGI Mm -hmm. on some level. I can handle like explosions or something like that, but when you make a a character CGI, other than Davy Jones, who actually is, in my opinion, some of the best CGI ever done. Yeah. um, Oh, man, what an improvement over the first movie. Shit. God dang. The the Kraken and Davy Jones look great in the next movie, (laughs) still. They looked great then, they look great now. I don't know how they did it. Well, the difference was a bajillion dollars. <laughs> yeah. I think that's where... That's the, that, that's the trick. That'll do it. Um, remember when Jeffrey Rush said, Arg! Yes, <laughs> I do. Very intentionally. <laughs> Adorable. Uh... What are your thoughts on the statement, sea turtles are greater than a deus ex machina? Well, is the deus, ma- deus ex machina unseen? Yeah. But it's in the Worse. rest of the franchise, when they can't explain anything, they just go, sea turtles. Sea turtles. <laughs> sea turtles, mate. With hair from me back. Well, we saw in Finding Nemo how just totally rad they are. That's true. That's true. Very cool, Crush. Sweet. Very cool. Um, I think this has the best Rosencrantz and Guildenstern since Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Elaborate. The the two guards. Oh, the, like, yeah. Plucky comic relief that are always like bantering with each the other. The wooden eye. They were so good, Dude, man. Getting they the fork so stuck in the wooden eye always creeped me out. Oh wait, no, that's the other. That's the other Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Oh my god, those are that's Pintel and Rigetti you're talking about, and they're great too. Gosh, this movie has two Rosencrantz and Guildensterns. Look at that. They're good. They're good. Man, I feel like I'm just rapid firing notes right here. Mm. Um, should I keep going? I don't really have a lot of segues in between them. Do you have anything to say? Nah, I really don't. Like, I, I exhausted all my notes. I was just going to go off whatever you said. Um, Vanessa would have lost her shit when uh, they cut Elizabeth Swan on the palm. She hates when they do that in movies. When they're trying to get her blood in the, in the oh, treasure chest and they yeah. cut the palm. She hates it because she's like, Why would you cut one of the only parts of your body that you would use for utility? Why not cut the forearm? She would have gone crazy when they sliced her palm like that. The forearm, the thigh, like something that's not constantly utilized to do every daily task. (laughs) Drives her nuts. I accept it as a trope. It's just what they do. How else are you going to make a pact or break a curse? You got to cut the palm. (laughs) Um, I think the best arc in the movie was... (laughs) 
So when we talked about everyone else's arcs and moral relativism and all these deep themes, <laughs> Barbosa's arc was that he wants to eat an apple. <laughs> and it's a true tragedy. <laughs> to the point that I don't even care that I don't know how the apple got in his hand when he dropped it at the end of the movie. <laughs> he was just having a sword fight and drops to the ground dead and an apple falls out of his hand. It like, was there the, the whole th time. <laughs> That's his arc. He wants the apple. It's like Rick wanting Szechuan sauce. How else am I going to keep the doctor away? <laughs> I don't care if it takes nine movies, Morty. I want me apple. That's my seasonal arc. That's my series arc. We're Nine more metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> um, CGI that did work for me. I really loved the whole bit with uh, Governor Swan versus the severed hand. That was yeah. really good. Uh, that was really really good. <laughs> good pantomiming by uh, by that actor too. Yeah. Oh, when he opens the drawer and just makes that face. Yep. <laughs> you can almost like I feel like I get hit with a waft of decaying flesh. Yeah, I can smell. That. I can smell that part. Oh. Oh man. Um. Man, I don't know if I want to go through every note. Um. There's some that could wait. Um. Our Patreon subscribers will get. Uh, oh my We'll God. get my full notes. <laughs> um, That's right. They're on the Patreon. Check the link. Never. It's doesn't exist <laughs> oh you know what i'll end on this note because i really like it they made it an hour and 36 minutes before they sang the pirates of the caribbean th song hmm. awesome restraint they made it mean something and at that point when they finally do it the ride is irrelevant Mm -hmm. They have completely departed from anything that you cared about in the Pirates ride, other than, like, there's a few set pieces that look like it and a few quick nods. But at that point, they have completely earned their keep as a standalone, awesome, classic movie. And then they sing A Pirate's Life for me, which is really awesome. Yeah. And I liked it so much, I got up and drank some rum straight out of a bottle. <laughs> that part of the movie. <laughs> That's where the rum's gone. That's where the rum is gone. I'm pointing to Denny's stomach. It was good rum too. If you guys can get any Kaloa rum, I highly recommend it. Drink it straight. It's really, really great. Good rhyme, Denny. Wow, they're not even paying us. Why am I saying brand names and rhyming for them? I want money for that Kaloa. Do we want do we only want alcohol sponsors? I mean Yes. We'll take Blue Apron if they're giving it out. <laughs> Fuck it, I'll eat a Blue Chew. I don't care. I don't know about that. Greg, is there a better ending to an action-adventure movie than this movie's ending? Uh, I'm sure I'm sure there is. I, ooh. I don't know that there is, man. I'm not convinced. Maybe one of the Terminators or something. Mm. They're not as good as this. Like, let me walk you through it. Jack Sparrow's betrayed. He's facing his death. Our Boy Scout returns in excellent fashion. Good tells hat. the woman he loves how he always felt about her. Nice hat. In the running for my favorite line, which is great. Saves saves the fucking anti-hero. Is ready to die over it. Like, fully embraces his dual natures. 
says that you know if if the only thing to come of this is that the hangman has earned an extra pair of boots so be it elizabeth joins they everything's good the the very very rigid authoritarians back down and change a little bit we get this awesome closing monologue of like i was always rooting for you mate um everyone's in a good place ecumenically grammatically <laughs> just all this great stuff <laughs> botches his own catchphrase seemingly falls to his death but he's which fine. is a callback yes <laughs> so so good um and then you have this awesome he's a blacksmith no he's a pirate and the governor walks away with his head hung low while will and elizabeth kiss jack gets the pearl back his crew embraces moral relativism. He gets to, like, sensually feel up the wheel of his ship. Barks orders. He's had a ten-year quest that we only saw the last couple weeks of. <laughs> and then... Did you know that? There's ten years between yeah, yeah. when they mutinied him and when the movie starts. Yeah. Um, and then he closes it with... Drink up me, hotties, yo-ho. Roll bring me credits. that horizon bring me that horizon i got chills right now just talking about it greg this helped me make meaning deal with an, a, a depressive episode and recover from trauma god damn i love pirates of the caribbean i fucking love it pretty dope man <sighs> god denny yes greg you brought up a few things What's your favorite line of the movie? I love so many lines in this movie. Oh. I, I get chills from so many lines in this movie. You only get and to I've pick said one. several of them. I've got it picked because there's no there's no contest. I'm disinclined to acquiesce to your request. It means no. no. <laughs> That's my favorite line by far. What about you? I like that one. Uh, mine is uh, it's a little dumb joke that I would make if I was the character it was just uh, one of our little henchmen going bootstraps bootstraps <laughs> yeah that's a great one because <laughs> <laughs> I would say that too in that scenario oh yeah no it's really good and it's also a title of one of the tracks on the soundtrack mm. did not bootstraps, know bootstraps yep I'm a pirates. I'm a pirates junkie, man. I went through a phase. I went through a really big phase. We got to do the sequels at some point. I uh, I've watched most of them pretty recently. For the third one, I played a drinking game with friend of the show Matt Lancaster and uh, a few more friends, Tatiana Gant and uh, producer and savior of the show Vanessa Taylor, where uh, <laughs> you had to drink every time they introduced new lore. Or if someone betrayed someone, and let me tell you, it was a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> For the third movie, it was just two rules, and it was... Ooh, 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 ooh. Spicy. Greg, what's your critic or score, you scurvy scoundrel? Uh, mine, I feel like it's kind of low. Uh, mine's a 28 out of 40, which is a 7 out of 10. That's very low. You want to justify it or raise it? I kind of want to raise it. Do it. Rules do are it, meant to be altered. Do it. Do. There are more guidelines than rules. Oh my gosh. 
Are you pirating my Critiker score? Greg, you learned. You learned from Jack Sparrow and his beautiful moral relativism. Uh, my rating was put in place in t- May 2011. Um, oh, Greg. I'll put this at a 31, which is just about an, uh, just shy of an 8 out of 10. Mm. I feel like I'm comfortable with that. That's pretty fair. Um, you know, Greg, the only rules that really matter in Critiker are what a man can do and what he can't do. Mm-hmm. And you can either accept that Pirates of the Caribbean is a cash grab that is soulless and a truly great movie, or you can't. And I'm glad to see that you could. Things can be both. Uh, what's did th- I say or? I meant to say and. I think I said or. You you did say and, yeah. Okay, good, 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 good. good. Uh, what's your score? 45 out of 50. Hell yeah. This is all-timer territory for Nine me out of in 10. the action-adventure genre. I just, it's... It's just up there. I just think, you know, and I get that it, it has some flaws, it has some limitations, but I think it is a, I think it's a masterpiece. I really, really do. I love a good blockbuster, and this is not a good blockbuster. It's a great one. Well said. Drink up me, Hardy's Yo-Ho. Who are you calling a hoe? Ho! Bring me that seamless edit. <laughs> well, I wish I was as passionate about anything as you are about the Haunted Mansion ride. I love it so much. I am passionate about one thing, though. What? Seamless edits. <laughs> We're back, ladies and gents. Like a spooky ghost, the Haunted like sp- Mansion... <laughs> Like a spooky ghost, I was here all along. It's <laughs> time to talk about The Haunted Mansion. A movie uh, that I saw once and didn't like and then saw again for the show and didn't like. Yep. Greg, you've never ridden The Haunted Mansion? Correct. I, I, ooh, you know what? I can't say that with 100% confidence. Greg, 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 Greg. I yep. might have, but I genuinely don't remember. I have so much to teach you. Young I'm man. sure there's a YouTube like ride through video I could just watch, right? There are, yeah. Okay. I'll there's do that later. There are lots. <laughs> so I'm sure it captures the same feeling. <laughs> it doesn't. For the uninitiated, the haunted mansion is an OG, uh, not opening day, but a very old school Disney parks attraction. It is a project that Walt himself worked on. Um, it is an enigma that has a lot of cool backstory. I recommend checking out Offhand Disney, the YouTube channel. If you want to know more about the Haunted Mansion and its lore and its history, you're not going to find a better source than Offhand Disney. Um, this is my favorite ride in Disney World. I have a shelf in this room of Haunted Mansion collectibles. Um, my wife and I are crazy about this ride. We have like multiple things throughout our house representing it. We have spent a lot of time thinking about it and enjoying it. Uh, one time we got stuck on it for 45 minutes because <laughs> it broke down while we were on it. Um, I am pretty haunted to me. Woo! Uh, th- this is like. As an adult spooky boy, as a child, I loved monsters and ghosts and just anything kind of like larger than life. And you tended to find that in like spooky situations. And so I think I just naturally gravitated towards that stuff. Man, I am just wild about the Haunted Mansion and have been since I was very, very, very young. Just something that 
fully captured my imagination in every way. And uh, then they made this fucking movie about it. <laughs> oh, do tell. <laughs> I think I saw it in theaters because I had to go see it because I love the Haunted Mansion. Right. And I knew it sucked. And I think one time I was uh, watching it while playing a board game with friend of the show, Matt Lancaster and Tatiana and my my wife, Vanessa. And they were like, no, this is kind of fun. And I was like watching it out of the corner of my eye. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> not even uh, not even my love for the Haunted Mansion can get me there on, on this shit. This is yeah. garbage. Uh, real quick before we begin, uh, we're watching three Disney films. Uh, this is the last one that I watched out of the three. It was Disney the first Plus, I watched. Disney Plus has been out for almost a year, right? Oh, I I want to say two years now, I think. Oh. I feel like it's a little less than that, but it's been it's out long years. enough for them to understand that the continue watching section doesn't need to show me movies that are... My progress in the movie is 90 seconds left of credits. You can... I'm I'm done. I'm done with the movie. You can take it off the continue watching. I finished it. I don't need to see... Thank you to the city of Vancouver and Atlanta for letting us film there. I don't need to see that. I'm not missing out. Get it off the screen. Ugh. There's still 90 seconds left of Country Bears. You want to finish it? Oh, <laughs> well, there's not. But did you watch the post? You didn't even watch the credits of Country Bears. That was like literally the best part of the whole movie. I think movie. I realized they were still on and then turned it off. <laughs> see, I, I was I like, know. I was like, I don't want to see any more of the Country Bears ever. And then I saw Wyclef Jean show up and I was like, hold the fuck up. I'll sit through a few more minutes of this. <laughs> there you go. But we're um, here to talk about Haunted Mansion, a movie that opens with a death of a loved one and a suicide. Uh, yeah. Danny, can you summarize the plot of this kid's movie? <laughs> sure can. By the way, suicide is heavily featured in the Haunted Mansion ride. Pretty um, dope. Yeah, I, uh, as much as I'm a homer for the ride, I'm like, you know, that probably should be taken out. It's a, it's a family theme park attraction. Um... Ghosts are, ghosts are really cool, but it's very understandable if, like, romanticizing suicide is very triggering for you. <laughs> and, I, you know, I'm like, that that part could go. Um, mm. <laughs> so the plot, the plot of this movie is that uh, uh, Eddie Murphy is a real estate salesman who loves work more than family. Um, and family's I've never like, seen that in a movie before. Ever. What an ever. original arc. And his family's going to, like, what, go to the lake or some shit? He uh, says the lake, yeah. The lake. What? The only lake. Um, they're the going, lake. They're going to the lake. And then they, like, they get, like, summoned to, like, sell an old spooky mansion. And then it turns out that apparently the ghost thinks all black people look the same and thinks that oh. eddie murphy's wife is oh. uh is is his like 1800s bride um and it's all a trap for her and they have to they have to rescue themselves from this ghost mansion. i'm bored denny i'm trying my hardest to like say I'm something bored funny or interesting and Hell. The only thing that's coming up is 
I have a note in all caps that just says forced comedy. <laughs> I, I don't even remember what I was referencing. <laughs> is that a uh, note or a suggestion for us? Because we can't get anything out of this segment. Uh, I think it is a note. And uh, let's not try to force the comedy. Let's embrace the macabre, yeah. shall we? Um, this is bad. This is a horrible movie. Dude, Eddie Murphy had just done Shrek like two years earlier. He yeah. was getting... DreamWorks and Disney royalty checks. He was going to be richer than God himself. He, uh, I was, I was saying, like, we need to know what his agent had against him at this time, because this is like the Pluto Nash era of Eddie Murphy, and he chose some bad projects. Like, he really, like, it yeah. was it was a fall from grace from a, one of the most beloved and talented comedians of a generation to just, like, in the early 2000s, fall off the edge man like and i honestly like i just i don't think it's eddie murphy's fault i even one of my notes in this is eddie murphy tried he showed up he never seemed like he was mailing it in yeah he really seemed like he was putting his best foot forward and uh i just think man he got saddled with some awful projects in this era of his career and i'm i'm a you know i, I was about to say i'm an eddie murphy fan like that's not normal you know, like yeah, everyone's an Eddie Ed. Murphy fan. Like Eddie Murphy's awesome. Uh, his his best movie since this one, or I guess since what Shrek? I don't know. Was uh oh, oh no 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 no. What's the name of it? Uh, shoot, it was the Netflix movie. Just came out. Was it uh Dolomite is my name? Dolomite is my name. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Thank I you. I haven't actually seen it. I've heard <sighs> it's fantastic though. Dude, you to, gotta see it. Everyone's told me I don't need to. Not Everyone's told me to see it, but the reason I haven't seen it yet is because I want to educate myself on the source material, and everyone keeps telling me I don't need to do that, and that's just not the way I am. I need to know the context. Yeah, you you really don't. I understand if you really want to. Um, it's just how I work. I just, I have to. It's not even a want I th- to, it's a I want to be informed. I, just, I think I you'll enjoy that. it more. And low-key, an all-time performance from Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes rocks. This is known. Yeah, it's, he's great in this movie. This is known. Anyways, uh, Haunted Mansion. How do you have Eddie Murphy and Wallace Shawn and somehow find a way to not be funny? <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? Those are two hilarious comedians. <laughs> they somehow fucked it up. Like, you've got to try. You've got to fucking it's try. Like, <laughs> they did it. They're, they're picking... Wallace Shawn's character, okay. Maybe that wasn't supposed to be funny. But you're, you're like, all right, Eddie, you're going to play a guy that is trying to be funny, but isn't. <laughs> Why would you get him for this? What a horrendous miscast of Eddie Murphy. <laughs> like, you, the one of the most naturally funny people... And contagiously one of the hilarious contagiously hilarious and one of the funniest stars of your time we're going to make you tell lame dad jokes you're Ugh. gonna suck <laughs> we're gonna the audience is gonna be laughing at you well that's the thing is we kind of but they hate... won't because it sucks <laughs> well we kind of needed to hate him a little more and we can't because eddie murphy's so damn endearing you know like, he's too just... he plays 
Exactly. Another miscast. He's too likable for yeah. us to have the proper response to his dumb character. He's charming. I like kind of empathized with him when he was like, I know it's my anniversary, but I can't walk away from this sale. You know, like, but it was like, eh, you, you, you hustler, you know, like just a cheeky bastard, you know, like, yeah, he's just so infectiously Dude. endearing. Like, he's likable, <laughs> that I, like, well, he's like, okay, this is the last straw. I have to leave. And then that couple's like, well, we're looking to buy a house. And he just does that eye roll, puts on a fake smile and whips around. You're mm-hmm. like, that's funny, Eddie. But well, and it's also like I think we see it through a different time of like, you know, times are hard right now economically, and uh, they weren't so much uh, culturally in the cultural zeitgeist at least in the time that this movie was made. So you saw all these movies where like people just work for the love of work and their obsession with success and money. When really it's like right now it's like, dude if you had the opportunity to get a bag like that, you couldn't just walk away from it. You kind of got to, got to make ends meet, you know, like I think there was maybe a little more empathy on that than, than was intended through a, through a 2021 lens. Just thoughts. Feelings? Just thoughts. Uh, I don't have anything. <laughs> I've got lots of things. <sighs> I got lots of stuff about the movie. But, yeah. Yeah, imagine ripping off Beetlejuice and focusing on the real estate aspect of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) I I want to like re I don't want to rewatch it, but like I want to know like the minute mark where they finally dropped the we're selling this house (laughs) plot point. Like (laughs) we were so focused on like the ins and outs of Louisiana real estate. It, it just, just... <laughs> so oh also his wife was a terrible co-worker man yeah isn't she like equally partnered in this business venture yeah and somehow, it's called like... evers and evers forevers and evers yay that's my i like that part i like this is a good joke it's the only part that stuck out all she does is drive around and talk on the cell phone like yeah. hey did you sell the house great see you at home yeah what a partner it's almost like the movie would have worked better if she wasn't because like she should actually like be more understanding than anyone else in the world of like, of, this, like his plight you know like it's, this is the family business yeah um man on that note i don't know marcia thomason from anything else she played she played sarah evers she was very bad in this movie Ooh. she was she was every line she said was really stilted i'm not gonna act like they gave her a lot to work with (laughs) full disclosure but man she was she was rough in this movie i really don't like to roast an individual i don't know for a performance but i I was very unimpressed with marcia thomason in this movie yeah i i i didn't like have a specific notes but it's definitely like an observation i had that she was just not really convincing me with anything that she was doing like i said eddie murphy tried you know like he tried yeah he showed up he was clearly invested in the work he was doing uh marcia seemed like she was just like reading off of a cue card for most of it that was the performance was like it seemed like she was reading these lines for the first time yeah and and like 
she's I don't want to say she's phoning it in, but it didn't really feel like a lot of people were trying with the creation yeah. of this movie. Yeah. Um and I'll I'll get into some exceptions later on, but this movie was like a 90 million dollar budget. Mm-hmm. And they doubled their money. Mm-hmm. Like they knew they were going to make their money back. Oh yeah. And it didn't matter how fun or interesting it was. Yeah. Well, and see, that's what's really interesting to me about this, because since you're not uh, obsessed with this theme park ride like I am for some mm-hmm. reason, um, you... Sorry. No, no, I'm sure you missed, like, because why would you know them? Um, there are a lot of nods. Like, this movie has a lot of really fantastic fan service. It really does. Um, I really thought that the set design department and the music department really understood the spirit of this ride and the spirit of the of the source material spirit there we go um that that we're dealing with and the writers did not um yeah and that's like what was so weird to me is i was like dude there are like five million things that are like fantastically true to what you would expect from a haunted mansion movie if you were like a mega fan like i am like they put in so many tiny little details so many set pieces so many just wonderful things the music spot on it all fits and then you have this shit fucking story it's <laughs> just like <laughs> fucking around doing a bunch of bullshit and i'm like well someone gave a fuck in this process why didn't everyone you know <laughs> like somebody got it they weren't on the same page at all man like no they just two different teams set out to do two different things and one of them succeeded and the other one did too much research on real estate (laughs) (laughs) oh man it was was an extremely serious story Mm -hmm. is the other thing like the tone of it was just it was kind of lighthearted at the beginning, which is the only part that I was like kind of engaged. Like, oh, this could kind of go somewhere. Because I, I, f- I forgot most of the movie um, from my first watch through. I probably watched it like in 06 or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then watching it through this time, I, I had forgotten almost all of it. Mm-hmm. So, like, the lighthearted parts, I was a little more engaged with. Eddie Murphy's just the main focus. He's doing his thing okay the family drama stuff's a little boring whatever we'll see if this gets more fun and then it just the more serious it gets the less engaging it is like it just drags yeah and i wish this was as lighthearted as country bears yeah well and see the spirit of the ride spirit again um is it starts off really scary and then it turns into a comedy in the third act Mm -hmm. Um, These are the lyrics of the graveyard song that they sing. Shrouded in a daft disguise, they pretend to terrorize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. And it's like, you originally thought these ghosts were horrible, but really they just like to come out in the graveyard and like hang out with each other and scare a few humans every once in a while. Which is what they do in the movie. Sure. But they completely botched the whole the whole tone that has this really cool because like in in making the ride there was this debate of like 
should it be scary or family oriented and the compromise was like fuck it we're gonna cut it in half and the first half is gonna be scary and then the second <laughs> half is gonna be family oriented um and it works it just works in every way and that's what blows my mind about this is that disney has actually come up with like several different lores for this ride like if you want to look into the canon of the haunted mansion they have rewritten and rewritten the lore several times over and honestly every time it's been pretty cool like it's Mm -hmm. all it's all great stuff and i'm like how do you have a blueprint laid out and be like it needs a real estate agent that works too much that's what that's what this lore is missing (sighs) what if we just drag a fun and charismatic and entertaining person through the personality mud and just made him a boring piece of crap <laughs> like i would have rather is that them, part of the lore i would have rather them just shown me like a, a hard cam of eddie murphy riding the haunted mansion like 10 times in a row <laughs> for 90 minutes and i With promise it would have been better like i promise it would have been a better movie if they were just like Nah, man, just do live commentary. We're just going to leave you on the ride for an hour and a half. Just just riffing on yeah. the ride. Start talking shit about the ride. <laughs> yeah. um, you know what I was thinking this whole movie? Hmm. Save us, Guillermo del Toro. <sighs> he has been he saying for it. like a decade that he is in pre-production for an awesome haunted mansion movie set in the 1800s centered around the hatbox ghost lore for the deep cut fans um and basically every time i've checked in on it people will ask him hey you've mentioned this is this still a thing and he'll be like yep any updates nope nope (laughs) (laughs) but i do still intend to make it (laughs) so uh i was just like man guillermo wants to make this you know like there's and I just think there's... Which, again, this Haunted Mansion, this fucking-ass Victorian-era ghost ride, why the fuck don't you set it in the Victorian era? What the fuck is wrong with you guys? Guillermo knows how to do that. It's it's set in modern times, but I don't feel connected to the modern world at all. No. Like because they, you leave it. They're in a modern house for a couple minutes, and then they're in like a tiki bar for a couple minutes, and then they drive there in a modern car, and then they just hang out all confused. Like it, it didn't matter. Yep, was dumb. Speaking of it, didn't matter. Just keep in mind that the stakes for this movie the entire time were a weekend at the lake. That's all that was on the line. <laughs> like <laughs> nothing else was ever in jeopardy. <laughs> Do you remember that kid who was afraid of spiders? Yes. Danny. Why couldn't we have saved some steps and had him just be afraid of ghosts? <laughs> <laughs> Why did we need a metaphor for his fear of spiders when he could have just been afraid of ghosts? Dad, there's a ghost in my closet. No, there isn't. See? You need to open your closet door and see that there's no ghosts. And you could still have the open the door scene. <laughs> Why did it need more steps? Why, why, did, why, it, why did, it did that need door more steps? <laughs> the only time spiders were brought up, <laughs> dude. And then they're in the boring <sighs> retrieve the key from the zombies, uh, and then we do the super lazy like, oh, I dropped it. Yep. 
Hold on, though. I, I, I just dropped it. That whole scene in the mausoleum actually was really cool, though. Like, that was, like, the only thing I liked about the movie. A lot of practical effects. It was great. It was boy, really was it, good. <laughs> boy, did it not need to happen. Well, no, but that's the whole thing, is so much of this movie, I was like, I could accept this a lot easier if it just fucking sucked. It's way harder for me seeing so much potential and then like literally the cheapest part of all of this is write a half-ass story and they like spent all this money on like mausoleum practical effects that fucking ruled and mm-hmm. then just fucking made the story about a real estate fucking agent it's and a, uh, and a racist old butler the racist old butler Dude, they said he didn't approve of their union, like definitely implying the like You uh, cannot mix the races. <laughs> Whoa, Ramsley. Oh, Ramsley. <laughs> Easy there. Uh and then yeah, again, Master Gracie, who was uh Elizabeth's bull in this, um definitely like again <laughs> like thought another black woman was his dead wife. Like that's it's not okay, man. That's like the driving force of this whole movie. Um, she looks like her kind of okay. Uh, yeah, not okay. Not Uh-oh. okay, Disney. Not okay. Disney, you know how you're releasing a bunch of live action movies apologizing for a bunch of racist shit you did in cartoons? Do another one for this and make Guillermo Let del Guillermo <laughs> Just you, we need, we demand an apology for this movie. And if you happen to accidentally make a good haunted mansion movie on the way, so be it. Dude, if Suicide Squad can get turned around that fast, yeah, good so point. it's time for a haunted mansion with a competent director from the director of Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> James Gunn, brings you the haunted mansion, and from the transparent man, John Cena, because he's in Suicide Squad and you can't see him. Um, Vanessa would like it to be known that she said the line, the deed to the house in sync with the movie, not knowing it was coming. <laughs> That's how predictable it was. Uh, I was hoping it was a treasure map to the cursed Azek treasure from the Black Pearl. So, I'm glad you brought that up, Greg. Oh! Because if you want to really dive deep into the lore of the rides, Pirates of the Caribbean and haunted mansion exists in the same universe canonically yeah the disney one no 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 oh canonically no no, no, no. canonically in the stories of the rides the original owner of the mansion was captain gore sparrow no gore verbinski what no (laughs) he was really named captain gore um and the story is that uh he was a pirate who reformed himself and bought a big old mansion um, his wife found in out in the Louisiana Bayou. Yes, and his and wife then tried to sell it. No, with a real estate yes, company. But no, he sold it to the Walt Disney Company, um, <laughs> and they made a Disneyland out of it. Um, no, but the the lore is that his wife found out about his pirate past, and he had to fling her out the window, and then in his guilt hung himself. Okay, um, but so yeah, that's the gore lore. Yeah, you can dig even even deeper. I'm going to recommend Offhand Disney to everyone. Uh, these were conceptually conceived to be in the same universe originally, and then they were like, it's like 1957, no one does that, and kind of straight away from it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
this movie, man. This movie sucks, Greg. Hey, man. It, sucks so it was much. two. It was 2003, the same year as the two Matrix sequels, and the CGI was better than those movies. Yes, it was in every I'll way. I'll say that. But it got leveled out when the kids said, I see dead people. Boo! 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 Sixth Sense Boo. reference. Played out. Leave the jokes to Eddie. <laughs> That's just a reference. Uh, Greg, do you have anything else? No, it sucked. Me neither, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, uh, we've talked before about uh, the uh, the mark of a good character in a movie is remembering their name at the end uh i forgot eddie murphy's character's name was jim until someone <laughs> yelled it and he yelled it at the end i was like oh yeah his name's jim okay <laughs> and i put this note down because if i didn't i would have forgotten <laughs> i uh i noticed that at a certain point they stopped ripping off beetlejuice and started ripping off beauty and the beast <laughs> that's that's all i really have it wasn't a yeah it wasn't a direct cut it was they started letting go of one while embracing the other yeah i see that yeah for sure yeah um greg what's your favorite line in this horrible awful movie uh my favorite line was the butler did it you gotta be kidding me (laughs) that's actually meta (laughs) this is great um I'd like to give an honorable mention to those are some big knockers. Or look at the size of those knockers. Look at this. I'm going to throw mine to the ghost ball was Elizabeth. <laughs> Just for the stupidity of the phrase ghost ball. The, the ghost ball was Elizabeth. <laughs> the real ghost ball was the Elizabeths we made along the way. The real ghost ball was the friends of <laughs> He called it a fucking ghost ball. Are you fucking kidding me? Dude. And <laughs> then the climax. I was like, how did they beat Rams again? Oh, yeah, the fireplace was a good guy all along. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Oh. Again, Beauty and the Beast. Uh. For years, that fireplace had been rusting, needing so much more than dusting. Danny. Oh, I, Vanessa would like me to mention that Wallace Shawn says you can't take it with you and then they take their bags with them anyways into the afterlife <laughs> it's heaven you can't take it with you <laughs> then they take their shit with them doesn't she say the hell I can't I don't know I don't remember I think, I think she says the hell I can't and then oh. they bring their suitcases with them Greg what's your what's your damn critic or score for this uh it's too high it's a 16 which is a 4 out of 10 hmm Mine's a 18 out of 50, same as Country Bears. Okay. Both are redeemed only by uh, the practical effects. Yes, I did like a lot of what I was seeing. Mm-hmm. The harmonizing statues were funny. Yep, you know... Which was the only non-Eddie Murphy character that was funny. <laughs> Hold on, Vanessa wants to say something? It was when they were going up to heaven. Oh, yeah. When they were going to heaven, Vanessa wants it to be known. That's yeah. when they said you can't take it with you. Also, T.I.L., for some reason, didn't realize that was fucking Wallace Shawn. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Vanessa just disqualified herself because she didn't notice Wallace Shawn was I in did. the movie. I did. I noticed him, but I like didn't put it... I expected more of him, is really what I thought. This is one, compelling yeah. audio, babe. <laughs> one, of, one of the most unique and recognizable like character actors you could ever put in a movie... And they're just like, let's just have him 
hang out, walk around, <laughs> say some ghost exposition. Yeah. Let's let's waste Wallace Shawn. Oh, I can't believe and they it. did it. I can't believe they didn't find something better for him and Eddie Murphy to do. Just I'm here to believe. spout exposition. And there it is, Greg. You have so many impressions up your sleeve that I just knew nothing about. That was a uh, good Wallace Shawn. It's pretty non-conceivable, isn't it? Damn it, Greg. <laughs> I'm not feeding the troll. I'm if not. you don't feed the troll, God damn it. Oh, Crystal Ball Lady sucked. Uh, Her name is all... Madame Leota, and I she's one of the coolest care. parts of the ride. I don't care. I want to ride the ride again. You, the ride is good. I man. don't want to see the movie again. The movie, like might have made me like the ride less no it didn't but i was like this better not ruin disney world for me because this is my favorite ride and one of my favorite things in the world it Uh, ruined the episode boy did it even one of my notes was like and you thought country bears was gonna drag this down (laughs) uh country bears was bad but harmless this was bad towards something that's important to me (laughs) (laughs) country bears had no well it actually did have a real estate plot i take that back (laughs) damn it god damn did disney be like you know what our beloved attractions that have been printing money for 40 years need a real Real estate agent (laughs) (laughs) one of my notes for this is I'm starting to get in a Halloween mood. This better not kill it. And thankfully, we have next week's episodes to Ooh. keep it going. But first, we got to do our gimmick. What's the most relevant movie for when you want to go to Disney World? Most relevant or best? What's the best? Yeah, pick 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 the winner for this week. It's just... right, Country Bears. Thanks. All right, so moving on. Gregory. Yes. No. Fine, it's Pirates of the Caribbean. By a landslide, it's Pirates of the Caribbean. I can see. (laughs) Oh, man. If you really wanted to get hyped to go to Disney World, I would honestly recommend, like, watching an animated classic. But of the the ride adaptations, Pirates of the Caribbean, even though it's the the least like the ride. Greg, do not recommend Song of the South. (laughs) Stop. I haven't seen it. No one's seen it. It's, like, impossible to see it. I thought it was on Disney Plus. No, they like have gone scorched earth on that thing. No, I'm not joking, dude. It's hard to track down. It's in the Disney Vault. Yeah, it's the, they have a master tape, but like they're like getting rid of Splash Mountain. You know that, right? No. Yeah, they've announced that it's gonna. Be... I don't keep up on Disney World ride news. Well, you should because it's gonna be a Princess and the Frog ride, and. Is oh someone boy. who uh, recognized the inherent racism of Splash Mountain, but also had a childhood sentimental attachment when I was a privileged white kid who knew nothing about that. I won't lie, I was sad to see it go. But last time I wrote it, I was also like, this is actually kind of old and shitty. I think Princess and the Frog is going to be a, a welcomed improvement. Notably not racist movie, Princess and the Frog. I mean, they did, you know finally make a black disney princess and then turn her into a frog after five i was minutes. about to say i was about to say <laughs> that's uh if you're an uh, animation studio and you want to have a strong black character turn them into an animal for 80 percent of the movie it was uh it's uh, a trend uh, that's uh i'll let people who are actually affected by racism comment on that but uh i think it speaks for itself yeah <laughs> so <laughs> the best we could do is mention it it's uh 
It's so obvious that these these two white dudes with a podcast noticed it. We'll recognize it for what it is and let others comment on it further. I'm just saying, if if two white dudes in Texas were like, yeah, that's racist. (laughs) 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 Let's let's get it together, Disney. (laughs) Even Soul, man. All right, anyways, we're done. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a year. Ugh. Danny, what are we doing next week, buddy? Oh, Greg, we are doing something that I love. I think it's going to be my favorite episode. <laughs> I just um, got all excited again. These are very me-centric episodes back-to-back. Um, I love I Disney World, and we're doing the best movie for when it's Friday the 13th. My favorite Friday. film franchise. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. Your favorite holiday that comes sometimes twice a year in any given month, mm-hmm. Friday the 13th hell yeah i'm so excited i have watched the first and i'm like three-fourths of the way through part four which we're also doing i've watched this whole franchise like 80 times i could riff but i just wanted an excuse to rewatch. and we're officially declaring it the winner of the poll was friday the 13th part five a new beginning and i think the yes. listeners chose right good job everybody <laughs> this is gonna be a bonkers episode um Oh, I kind of want to give people some expectations, but I also just, I don't know, maybe we should just hold it off. Yeah, well, if you're a fan of the movies, then you already know. Yeah. If not, then you know we're going to have fun. This is going to be one of our most fun episodes to record. We're going to have a blast. Uh, there's like, we've watched a lot of bad, bad movies, and we've watched mm-hmm. a lot of good movies, but we haven't watched a lot of delightfully fun and also just shitty schlock slasher movies. And this is my wheelhouse. Like this is, we really haven't, <laughs> we haven't really gone too far deep into my weird shit. And this is like, this is right up my alley. I am yeah. so excited for our next episode. Not only that, we haven't really done horror mm-hmm. at all, which I is know. like your staple. It's my boy. It's my main boy. I think yeah. it's like, I work on, like, I've got some horror shorts in pre-production with the boys over at Fright 90, and this has kind of been my, like, uh, you know, we, we, we do horror over there. We can just do whatever over here, but man, we're we're entering spooky season right now. We're, we're getting there, and this is... We're this getting is, there. This is when the crypt doors creak and the tombstones quake, spooks come out for a swinging wake. Happy haunts materialize and begin to vocalize grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize thank you haunted mansion thank you so yeah to reiterate we will be watching friday the 13th the original movie we will be watching part four and the poll winner as selected by you part five oh yeah sorry part seven and part eight jason will have to wait to take manhattan we're gonna do them all eventually i'm gonna see to it this is why we did this this uh this idea is there's future friday the 13th so there's three more movies that we'll do next may which is the next friday the 13th oh baby oh jason jason x fans just you wait we had to wait till we had better audio quality for jason x once we get our new mics in the mail we might have to get that uh in-person recording i'm gonna see if we can get in person with us and kane hotter for jason x 
Oh my god. I'm gonna book him for a convention, and then the convention's just gonna be at your apartment. Movies for <laughs> movies for WinCon at my place. <laughs> All of our fans are here, Kane. It's just you guys. It's just you guys. Our partners. I know. <laughs> we got you a mic. Let's go. <laughs> So yeah, if you want to vote on future polls, please uh, find our Facebook page, Movies for Win. Uh, follow us on Twitter also, where those will be posted, at Movies for Win on Twitter. Uh, that's where you'll see all our uh, the movies in later episodes, um, and also know when the, mov- the uh, episodes are posted, which is generally every Friday, mm-hmm. and every Friday the 13th. Hell yeah, dude. Oh, I'm getting there. I'm excited. Um, if anyone knows Kane Hodder's appearance fee, make sure to tweet us at Movies for Win. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Denny, <sighs> hit us over the head with a catchphrase. For Greg Work, the Leg Work Johnson, I'm Denny the Talent Taylor, and this has been Movies for Win? We already told you when. And next week, he's back. He's the man behind the mask. And he's out of control. He's back. He's the man behind the mask. We're not watching the mask. That's a that's a Alice Cooper song from part six. Uh, oh. <laughs>